Why is recorded in front of a live studio audience. Oh, here we go. Here we go. I admitted her, so here. There we are. We can't see your, the top of your head. Don't tell her how to live her life, Heidi. <laughs> there, oh, there we go. Under my light. <laughs> Hello, Heidi's mom. <laughs> Hello. I, I want you to know that I came equipped for today. Thank you. Oh, there we go. Oh, is that Captain? Yes. Oh, He has wow. a Captain mug. She's of course he does. A very <laughs> few people. There are very, very few people oh, that have guys. one. I, so much better now. Um, yeah, oh, please. I, we were texting about this beforehand. I, as much as I am looking forward to this, I am the exact inverse of dreading this next week when we talk with my mother. So. How exciting. Yeah, you so know, I'm going to. audience before you begin. What was that? You won us before you begin. This is true. I mean, we already love you. <laughs> I, yes, but, you know, there's a. There's a little anxiety here. I would hope so. Yes. But we thought hitting 200 episodes is some sort of milestone. I don't know what, mm. but what better way to market? You know, we uh, had a member of the Ramones for episode 100. So obviously, next step is to bring our mothers onto the show. Do you so, know who the Ramones are, Mom? I do not. Perfect. Excellent. Thank you. Um, Do you know who the who is? Who what? (laughs) Do you know who the who is? I know the name. Do you know who Wham is? Don't even know that name. Yes, you do. I thought of all of them. (laughs) That was the one you would know. Wham? From the 80s, George Michael, Andrew Ridgely. I know George Michael. Okay, there we go. This is why, with your hosts, Heidi Hedquist and Luke Poling. We're not here to discuss your pop knowledge. Uh, we oh, thought we would. Okay. Yes. I would fail. <laughs> she we knows would... Michael Jackson very well. Well, there you go. That's something. And so uh-huh. we... Well, perfect. That's all you need. <laughs> so we thought we would just take this moment to have a brief conversation about your career as an opera singer and okay. as sort of. Let folks know that uh, we both come from talent and backgrounds, and look what we've done with these genes. <laughs> yeah, we've I'd done so much. I know. It's really. <laughs> I just feel like my mom would, at early age, been like, yep, he's the sort of person who's going to spend his life in his basement um, <laughs> complaining about things. So. <laughs> and that way they are not let down. Right. But let's. Well, yes. I, may I just say that both of you awe me every time I listen to your podcast with your knowledge of things that I never knew before. <laughs> You're full of information, and I don't see how, in your relatively to mine short life, you've accumulated so much knowledge on so many topics. I'm blown away. Did you say inane topics? Because that's really what we are. <laughs> I don't know if we could change a tire. Together, definitely not. No, Somebody would be knocked not. out with a wrench. But And it wouldn't be me. Yeah. <laughs> you have so much fun. You have so much fun. And I love the podcast. 
Well, thank you. And I should say it is a, uh, it has been a delight uh, collaborating with your daughter on these, this <laughs> project. And I don't actually feel that. Um, no, but like the past, what's it been? Three years almost? Two and a half, three years? Two and a half, yeah. See, it's flown by. It's been lovely. And we're taking on more and more ridiculousness every day, which is lovely. And I think you of anybody would understand what I'm up against. <laughs> I, you have my complete sympathy. Yeah, she's a handful. Let's be honest. <laughs> Let's be honest. Yeah. She can be challenging. <laughs> Real humdinger. Yeah. Real <laughs> humdinger. I've been humdung many times. <laughs> but we're not here to complain about Heidi. Oh, we could, though. We could. No, we have another 199 episodes to do that. But how did you get started in opera singing? I mean, where, do you grow up in opera fan, I'm assuming? Um, what happened uh, to me was that my father was a Methodist minister, as you probably know, which meant that I was constantly put into choirs. And that meant that at about the age, um, very early, um, 11 or 12, people started saying to my parents, this is an extraordinary instrument and you need to get it trained and take care of it. It's funny, I just had a conversation about this the other night. Someone asked me because I was laser focused from the time I was 12. I mean, I was never going into any other career or path. And someone said to me the other night, was this your choice? And that was a heck of a question. Mm -hmm. um, I, I was definitely driven by this gift of talent. And in my family, we were taught that that gifts are precious and that we take care of them and we train them in whatever form they come in. Um, was it my choice? I don't know. I don't, I do not know the answer to that. And I've been thinking about it for a week. Um, if you, if you ask me, is what I did gratifying? Absolutely. And there are moments when you're in your top game that you feel absolutely like you are floating. You're, you're floating on, you're floating up in the stratosphere with with an orchestra and a choir underneath you and you are you are playing your part one of the um oratorios that i sang um by a man named Respighi, obviously italian oh, yeah. uh, i sang the role of an angel and i remember thinking this is so appropriate my voice was um in its peak and i had worked incredibly hard to get the music and in my muscles and in my head and i remember feeling like i was i was weightless unencumbered the only other time i felt something like that is when i was skiing and and you're on the on the snow and you just when you're when you're in good form you just float down and it's like it's like flying and that's that's what it's like when everything comes together, when when there isn't a angst from you know costume issues or other issues. That's what it's like at its highest peak. And what age was that that you kind of reached that? Because I'm assuming you then spent the rest of your career kind of chasing that Absolutely. feeling. Absolutely. Uh, let me see. We had come back from um, London at that point, and that's when I got uh, really involved with oratorio. So. I would have been um, early 40s. Okay. So but before then, you, know, you were... I, I, 
I was just going to say, I learned this recently. Did you know that the vocal muscles are the last part of your body to develop? Hmm. I found that fascinating, which explains why we really shouldn't begin training them too early. We're, we're really, you know, athletes. So at what point you, you've been receiving training, you've been practicing, that you kind of took the show on the road, for lack of a better term, that you went out and sang for an audience, other than Sunday morning, you know, church audiences? Because they'll take anything, let's be well, honest. Well, I was going to say, that's a tough yeah, crowd. <laughs> I, I, I would answer this question with um, a bit of admitting my own... Um, lack of uh, insight into this. The answer to that question is, when you put an instrument like I was given in, um, in a situation of other singers, it's going to soar. It's, it's going to stand out. It, it just, it, it, it's honestly, I, 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 when I was talking about this last week, the, the person to whom I was speaking, and I haven't talked about it for years <laughs> except to YouTube, um, said it sounds as though you're almost talking as though there's the voice and me. And that is absolutely the way I feel. Mm -hmm. It was my job to take care of it and train it. I did nothing to get it, um, to, to deserve it. Um, but I was really challenged. Uh, someone else was asking me about languages recently. Well, from the time I was 12, I have been reading in, and singing in multiple languages. So I'm <laughs> I'm, Rub I'm it in. Fluent, right. In, in, I'm fluent in diction, you know, but, um, and I've studied other languages, but I don't use them. Um, so if ever anybody needs me to read them a, a phrase or a book, I've got it. But if they want to know what it means, maybe not. <laughs> you know, I'm limited there. Now, we've got some dirty <laughs> Greek poetry we could have you read later. Yes. <laughs> um, Slow on the Greek. She can say some very offensive things when, when in Rome. Perfect. Um, <laughs> so how does one take this from a, a passion, something you're working on, to kind of uh, to get the paycheck at the end of the gig? I'm comedian David Race in Los Angeles. I host a celebrity-filled paranormal talk show like no other. Monstrosity has great guests answering weird questions. You won't believe the combo of celebrities and paranormal experts who've been on this show. I guarantee you'll like Monstrosity, or you get your time back. Go to monstrositypodcast.com right now and take a look. Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, and we're and still trying to answer that one ourselves. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? You you podcast the answer recently, and you don't. You probably haven't even realized it. Maybe you have. Yep, no, you, I don't think so. You, you did. You did an interview with a guy who wanted to open a drive-in movie theater. Oh yeah. You know what he said in that podcast? He said. When you have a passion and you want to do something, you talk to everybody you know about your passion. Even somebody that you think has nothing to do with running a podcast or singing a song, you talk about this passion deep inside of you. And 
I would go another step to say that after you talk about these people, you're, you're putting things in the universe in motion. You're setting up your own success. And when I, and it may come in many forms. And um, my mine was certainly artistically successful. Financially, I'm, I paid far more money. Can you hear me? Mm -hmm. I spent mm -hmm. I spent far more in training and learning how to do the, the instrument, how to sing the things than I ever made. Yes, I was a professional, and yes, I didn't take it for my complete life. But I think there's so much wisdom in, in that statement. And here, you know, I turned on your podcast, and I thought, okay, they're going to talk to me about somebody who runs a drive-in movie theater. I thought, how is that going to relate to me? That's not going to tell me anything. Normally, your podcasts give me food for conversation as I go through my life or the week. And this time, this wisdom of this guy popped out of there, which was talk to everybody about your passion, do everything you can to train it. And I thought, that's what Luke and Heidi are doing. And then you meet, you meet a Nicky Ciano, and all of a sudden, he can sense your passion. And then all of a sudden through him, you're talking to people in Hollywood. And, you know, the the energy and the drive and the talent you two are putting into this, and I would say, and the love you two are putting into this, um, it, it, you're putting such positive things out into the universe. You just have to, you just have to, I think this is the secret. You have to um, adjust your conception of success. I mean, I had to do that for sure. One of the greatest performances of my life took place in Adelaide, Australia, and I did a command performance for um, the governor of South Australia, and I'm a real Anglophile, as Heidi is, and all around me were the pictures of the monarchs, and uh, my voice was in, was in top form. I worked really hard on it, and I chose pieces that I loved and some that were brand new. And it was a moment in time. I felt like Cinderella, and I wanted I wanted to freeze that moment. And so, someone has said to me recently, or many people, and were you were you paid for this experience? Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. But it was um, it was a crowning moment in in my um, achievement and the road I've been walking. So success comes in many many forms. And I think we just have to, we have to look for the moments where we're flying, I think. We have to look for the moments that we feel we're, you know, on the snow and we're just kind of going down or that we're an angel kind of singing over the sounds beneath us and that we, that we bother to take the moment to say, <laughs> what a privilege, what, what, what a privilege to be doing what I love. That's my thought. Wow. It's interesting because you said, oh, you just, you take your passion, which immediately I thought of you just walking around the house with like a Viking helmet um, <laughs> on to try to manifest it. That, yeah. yeah. Um, so what was your range? <laughs> What's your uh, vocal range? What's your... Um, I'm a, a, a lyric soprano. And um, with that, I had, a, I had a really unusual, once again, I'm talking about this instrument that I housed. Right. Um, I had rich, um, I had rich low notes, but they tired very quickly. And then I had very easy high notes. My high C was nothing. I mean, I could just spin it off 
So one time, for instance, I was auditioning. We had to audition every year for the opera company, even though we were members of the company. And I was singing uh, from Naughty Marietta, the Italian street song, which gets you up on a high C and you, you're there and you're just sitting there for measures and measures. And the accompanist dropped the gal darn music. And I'm already in this long hold. So he stoops down, picks it up, brings it back up. And my instrument just kept on holding, just kept on going. And I thought, good for you. <laughs> um, so the most beautiful part of my voice was definitely the high voice, the, the higher notes. Um, and it was a, it's a very passionate instrument. Uh, I have always felt it's best suited to the more passionate music. And that, again, is definitional. I always think um, Puccini repertoire, well, let's face it, Puccini repertoire speaks to my core. It brings up the emotions in my heart, even though I have heard it uh, countless times, even though I sit in a performance of Butterfly and I could never sing a butterfly, far too tall. Um, but I, I know almost every line. Not Japanese. <laughs> never stopped um, anybody else before. <laughs> that, uh, that's probably true. But, but even though I know it so well, when I hear it, my emotions are just, oh, they're just stirred, you know, and to be in it and to be able to um, express it is fabulous. Oh, this might be something that might be interesting uh, based on some of your topics of podcasts. Yeah, we'll be the judge. Um, <laughs> there, is a, there is a character in a, um, a Puccini opera called Musetta, and she is a streetwalker a very high level streetwalker. And I fell in love with this music when I was 14 or 15. And I said to my voice teacher, I really want to sing that Quando Menbo. I'm ready. I've got it. She said, dear, you have not lived long enough to sing that song. <laughs> she wouldn't let me sing it. <laughs> Jan, let me sing it. it. Huh? Jan, let Jan, me let sing me it. Sing oh, it. Yeah, well, you explains, a lot. Um, <laughs> explains a lot. Yeah. What is that? Uh, to hear you talk about this idea of the instrument and then you almost sort of secondarily comes the acting side of it what yeah. for you is that percentage of being able to to sing the part to uh to hit the notes be able to sustain all of that stuff and what percentage is being able to tap into that emotion is that a percentage or is that just one and of the same oh uh, you've hit on one of the very toughest things about singing i think um, We're done here. Because, because, <laughs> because you are so geared by technical information, which means where's my tongue? Is my palate up? Is, is my breathing supported? Am I having a, a pure vowel or am I coloring the vowel? So all these things are preparation work that you do. And then when you get into, and you know, you know from your work ahead of time, if you get something out of line, that note's not going to be perfect. It's not going to sound right. So even though you sat at your piano and you practiced and practiced and you're pretty sure you've got it, you have to take a risk when you perform. And then you have to let it be in the moment and you have to let the emotion of the moment <clears throat> take over because at the end of the day, you're trying to communicate. I, I really um, have taken and kept inside of me as, as big life lessons. Oh, I guess big life lessons. there's worse ones to keep inside of you. Certainly. <laughs> I mean, I, I, am, I have a beautiful young granddaughter who's starting on her life, and she likes to be with us, which is wonderful. 
and I'm passing on those things to her. You're not playing her her show, are you? <laughs> no, she's not a child. Okay. She's, All right. She's 25. Oh God, no! Some of those, some of those episodes <laughs> I get into. I think, oh. <laughs> and I and I had to go to Heidi's and see the tantra chair. Well, no, <laughs> there are episodes where I think we both hang up after the interview and go, "That's great." Our moms are going to hear this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you sometimes your moms are holding on by the fingertips <laughs> well it's and it's hard because you want to be open and and you know to your point welcoming to the i don't want to say gift welcoming to the conversation and and be fully immersed in it and then there's that kind of retrospect where you stand back and go oh my god what have i done um <laughs> That's, that's one of the things I've noticed, too, about your podcast. And I, I really... There's a lot of, oh, my God, what have I done? <laughs> no, it's, it's, a lot of, it's a lot of validating anybody's um, chosen passion and career choice. I mean, I heard Heidi say, darn, you blew me away. But you're, t- you're talking about this man who performed in porn and edited. Oh, yes. And, 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 and you two were... That took me out of my comfort zone. That's something I would not have picked up if it weren't for you two. And you're welcome. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. (laughs) But you were validating the choices made, and and I honor that. That that's a lot of what you do. Even even the one that was so funny, the crazy love pants, and Heidi's going, "Yeah, go for it." (laughs) Yeah. There's only been, and they shall remain nameless, I think two people we've talked to that we really felt like, this is, it's hard to think this is okay. But, <laughs> <laughs> but everybody else, it, because there's always a good, like it always makes sense. It's always, as long as nobody's hurting anyone or doing something, you know, horribly illegal, then go for it. If it makes sense to you. You bring that out. That, yeah. That's the wonder. That's the wonder of, of what you're doing. Um, a, another one, I, I saw you were going to talk about beekeepers, and I thought, once again, oh, man, I don't know anything. What am I going to learn? About? Well, I know a lot about beekeepers and, and, the, and the circle of life in the bee colony. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, great. yes, I'm a tremendous fan because I love you both. Even, even you, Luke, you're on my love him list because oh, I feel please. like you're part of my life now. Please. Um, and, the feeling is I, more than mutual. <laughs> Frankly, oh, we so could cut out I, Heidi. Yeah, just get rid of me. Take this on the road. <laughs> there you go. Let's do it. Yes. Let's do it. So uh, how long was your career? When did you sort of feel like I need to uh, hang up my trident? And is that one of those things? Is it, I mean, it seems like it's like a professional sport where you just reach a point where your your body or your instrument uh to use your terminology just will not cooperate with what you need to do to be at your peak and it's got to be this sort of combination disappointing but also a realization of what this happens to everybody are you asking when i was knew i was at the end of my career yes when you were sort of at the end when you were sort of like i think i think this might be it fascinating question uh, I mean, your guests say this to you all the time, but this, that's a fascinating question, as so many years have already been. And the answer to that is, I came, circumstances intervened. We moved first to England, where I couldn't get, um, I couldn't get equity. 
And so I couldn't sing on their professional stages. And I did some auditioning and they'd say to me, oh, you're a professional singer. I'd say yes. And they'd say, you're American. And they'd say yes. And they'd say, thank you very much. <laughs> that was pretty much it. Mm -hmm. Circumstances intervened. And I look at that time as, as some of the most glorious of my life um, because I could refocus. I focused on Egyptology and art and uh, British history. And when I would take Heidi out of school and sometimes take her to the British Museum to the point she was sick of it. But we, but we, it was it was the luxury of of putting the voice secondary. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing that happened was we moved to Australia, and again, I couldn't get equity. And once again, Heidi was instrumental here because they asked me to um, think about working behind the scenes at the opera company. And I said to Heidi, I, I don't think I can do this. I was only 45. I should be using this instrument because it's a gift after all. She said, Mom, if I'd done the things you have done in my career, I'd want to see what was happening on the other side. Do you remember saying that to me? That was an eye. That was an eye-opening. Damn, she's right. Moment, you know. Hmm. And so I did focus on the other side. Worked behind the scene, and to your point, worked a lot with Wagner and the Ring Cycle and the production thereof. But the ultimate answer to that question is, I the the voice never really gave up. I gave up on it because I wanted to focus on traveling and my family and um, I, I focused on, on other things far too early. The instrument had many, many more years to it and I was just called out on that by a girlfriend who knew me in college the other day, should be using your talent. And I thought, I've made a choice here. You mm -hmm. know, I'm, I'm so thrilled that I got to do what I did. I'm so thrilled that I had the opportunity to stand up and sing magnificent music with those I loved in the audience, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but but I wanted I wanted to be free. I, I I wanted I wanted to be free. I want to be here when Heidi can come up. I don't want to be rehearsing. Right. You know. Well, and you can also really show people up at Christmas Carol time. Well, there's that, yeah. and that does happen. <laughs> yeah, hold my mic. Come on, here we go. Right. You can check us out on all the various socials. Be sure to visit our website and don't forget to leave us a review. Today's show is produced by myself and Heidi Hegquist. Our reluctant producers are John Sauvet and Sandy Stone. Our willing producers are Rachel Allen and Randy Jeanette. Our intern is Zach Jackson. This one's for Philippe. Thanks for joining us. Flash, we're coming home. Nigel, is that you? Are you here, Nigel?